Howdy, folks. Happy Thursday. Um, I'm already envious of Russ, who's going to be heading down to Florida because we're getting blanketed with some snow here in beautiful, down, beautiful Buffalo. Um, and I know it's 40 degrees and blustery here, but I won't miss it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, who are you going to see, by the way? Uh, the Mets at Port St. Lucie. Um, now, this is just pre-pre-show stuff, and I don't know if it undercuts. And then, then we have a choice. We're either going to go to Epcot, Universal, or like the Star Wars portion of Disney for a day. Okay. You may bump into Kevin because they know he's down. I know. I'll message him if I get to the same place. Yeah. He's have, he's got his hands full with his grandkid. I know. Um, <laughs> I have, I have to say, I, I do I do love the reaction, and I hope it continues uh, down in Florida at these spring training games to the Astros. Apparently, George Springer, the leadoff hitter for the Astros yesterday, was uh, pelted with verbal – well, the crowd was chanting, cheater, 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 when he was up at the plate. Which I honestly I, I have no problem with this. I hope it continues. I hope it goes the entire season. This is why baseball fans are great because they will not let these guys forget. They, you know, even someone like Pete Rose, who's always trying to get us to forget about the bad things he does, the fans will always remind them because you could look, end of the day, you could always say that football is the new national pastime. Right. But in a lot of people's hearts, it's still baseball. And that, that passion is still there for the ones that still love it. Right. And and that's why you get this reaction. Now, what I did see online was a video that got put together with Alex Bregman getting plunked yeah. and him giving commentary about how he loves how baseball polices itself. Alex, I don't know if you ever imagined it policing it against you, but it just has. So. You're going to love those bruises on your back that you're going to have in July and August that won't heal because you keep getting plunked. Yep. And, but, it's, going to, and it's going to continue. I mean, it's, and that's it's fine to continue. I think the, the worst thing, though, is if the Astros continue to try and squelch it, it will only get worse. Agreed. Um, now, was that the pre-show or did that you? That was have the pre-show. Okay. Uh, I, have to, I, have to, I have to say this. And, uh, you know, I know that players – cannot help injuries you know like they, they happen they they you know it's like but when you were off for an entire off season and you you know there, there were John Carlos Stanton with the Yankees was mm -hmm. he played all but I think 18 games last year right uh the money is inconsequential it's the it's the availability of the player and he has an entire off season I'm not sure what he did in terms of like, you know, physical therapy or whatever. Right. He comes to train, he comes to spring training and a weekend he has pulled a calf muscle, which I think was one of the myriad of injuries that he had last year. And now he's out probably the rest of spring training. This is not like Bruce Smith having arthroscopic knee surgery at the beginning of preseason to avoid preseason games. This is a guy who, and I heard somebody on one of the New York talk shows yesterday say, you know, could he have been a steroid guy because he's breaking down a lot. And that's, and I, I don't know if that's the case. That, that's, 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 I think that's taking it too far. I mean, he's always been a big guy, so I don't think we should necessarily look at that. I totally disagree with John Jaskremski who's saying he's stealing money. 
He's not stealing money. The year before last year, he played 159 games and he played 158 games before that. But like you said, he's breaking down and you do wonder who's giving his training and advice. And, and there's, there's a very well-known trainer that I'm friends with on Facebook and he's one of the best in major league baseball. And he put out a statement recently that basically said a lot of teams and players do it wrong. And you kind of wonder, and it's not necessarily the team's fault. Right. What happens here is the team has their own teams of people and the player gets their own. And right. the, sometimes the guy that the players get isn't right. And yeah. if it's different from what the teams do, then you do have an issue sometimes with these things. And I wonder if that's the case with Stanton. Yeah, and I mean the Yankees basically let go of their entire physical uh, therapy staff, and I guess, I guess they changed over their medical team last year because you know they had the most injuries in the league, and right. I mean, that that could be just random, but it could, it, but it's never going to help you keep your job, right? But and and now in the span of a week and a half, you've had I mean Paxson had surgery before spring training even started, but. You know, judges being held out because they want to be extra careful. Stanton is out for the rest of spring training. Now, you know, Severino is going to have Tommy John surgery. I mean, this is not just, this is not limited to, you know, it would be one thing if it was like the Leafs where it happens in game action. You can't prevent, you know, a broken foot from Andreas Janssen, a broken foot from Morgan Riley, a broken hand for Jake Muzzin. That's just in the course of a game and it's just random. But, when it happens and you're not even playing games. I'll tell you what I think part of this problem is. It's guys doing too much weightlifting. It's one thing to look great and do all this cross training and show videos, but there is something to just basically training for a baseball season first right? and then being like a bodybuilder second. And a lot of players have taken it the other way because they all want to look good and feel good, but – Baseball is different, and if you go back and you look at the old days, now I'm not going to go with the pitching thing because that's all changed. Pitching pitching has changed from basically before major baseball and as a kid all the way through for these, for these guys. So that whole system has changed, but the other part has not. Mm -hmm. And what I have taken from that is, yeah, these guys should really work on flexibility and baseball exercises first and do all that, and then you could do some of the weightlifting. But again, perfect example is you don't have to, you know, Giancarlo Stanton does look like a weightlifter. Sure. And a lot of times if you're doing a lot of those leg presses or whatever, you are putting your calves at risk a little bit for being tight, like after you do these things. And I don't know if that's it, but all I'm saying is I've seen comments online from this one trainer and other people that – Baseball players should get back to like baseball exercises, and I agree with that. Yeah, Esmer brings up something in the chat, and this swings it back to hockey, and then we'll start the show. Um, some people um, assign the the drop off of PK Subban to apparently him changing his workout routine to be more powerful. Okay. Yep. And, uh, you know, there was a suggestion that maybe in the offseason he goes back to what he was doing or does something different because he has slowed down a little bit. Maybe he's more powerful, but he has slowed down uh, appreciably from Nashville to – Right. If you if you remember, and then we'll really end this, Tim Tebow, when he became a New York Jet, they knew he was going to play this H-back position, so he got all bulked up, 
and he lost his speed. Right. So then all of a sudden when they give him the ball, he couldn't get past the line because he didn't have enough speed. There is a fine line with that stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, hello, Hockey World. Today is Thursday, February 27th, 2020. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Uh, we'll start with the games from last night. We'll go to the news after that, and we'll take some questions in the chat. Because um, we only had three games last night. A couple of them were of major consequence. Um, I'll start with the one in Colorado. I watched a bit of that on NBCSN, the Avalanche and the Sabres. Um Colorado wins three to two on a late JT Comfort goal, which every every time he scores and he scored a couple against the Sabers, I just remember that he was included in that Ryan O'Reilly deal. I, I'm not happy that he does it against the Sabers. I'm just happy that I kept telling people this guy can really play, and I think they felt like when he got traded, mm. like he was more of just a defensive forward and didn't realize he does have offense in his game. It was going to just take a little while for it to come out, but he's having a really good year. Now, two two things. One, um, looking at Colorado, um, for those who don't think that they're not a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, uh, all you have to do is watch last night. Now, they don't have Ranton. They right. don't have Kadri. That's two of their better forwards. Yep. McKinnon had the Sabres defense on edge all night with his speed. He was just going through. He made a couple plays. He set up Nakushkin for on a two-on-one where the puck sort of like bumped up, and he still got a decent shot, and Hutton made a great save. But um, McKinnon is a difference maker. Landeskog is a difference maker. Makar – um, you know, they make, have a load of guys, man. They're, they're, you know, and they 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 augmented their uh, you know they added uh, uh, Nemestikov. Uh, even even the, the minimal guys that there were guys that I liked. I didn't like when the Rangers traded Ryan Graves. If you remember, mm -hmm. he's having a really good year. They have a lot of contributors. It's a well-rounded team. It is. Yeah, and and friend actually, Fran Sue's played pretty well as well. So I think. I mean, is Calvert even back, or is he out too? I think he, I I didn't see him, so that's I what I'm saying. that's another important guy out. Like he's another secondary scoring guy. Yeah, so I mean, they're they're loaded. They're you know, and they're not just a offensive speed team. No. That, you know, they 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 have some you know, and their defense is a lot better. Zadorov is a mean sob on the blue line. Johnson, yeah, um, and and, I mean, and, and great on faceoffs. They have. Good defensive forwards on that team between him and Landis Cog. Yeah, and that's the, that's the advantage from two or three years ago. They had to play Johnson 24, 25 minutes a night because right. they were so shorthanded on defense. Now with Gerard there, now with Makar there, you got a veteran like Ian Cole, Zadora. I mean, their defense is deeper. And if, if Grubauer comes back and he's at 100% before the playoffs, they could make a, a significant run in that. They one. will. I mean, this is, you know, I, I picked Washington, Colorado for a reason. I felt like they're poised for a run. Yeah. I know that they don't have what you would call spectacular goaltending. Yeah. But we've seen teams win the cup without spectacular goaltending with just a good game manager. And Grubauer can be that. And he can make the great athletic save, too. But listen, Francis is doing a good job here. And they're sold on him, too. Yeah, they signed him to an extension. So, so. who's to say he can't do it? We just... None of us know him well enough to be able to say he can. Right. But if this team believes in him, like I said, I believe in Craig Billington. I've talked to him enough to know that he knows about the art of goaltending. Yeah. Now flip it to the Sabres. 
they re they rearranged the deck chairs on the Titanic at the deadline. They added Simmons. They got rid of Sherry. They added. They got rid of Rodriguez. They added Dominic Cahoon. Maybe they got a little better because you know I don't think Rodriguez had a future in Buffalo and Cahoon might. But they sort of the you know they had seven UFAs. They let one go in Bogosian, and they really didn't sell. They stuck to this pipe dream of be staying in the playoff race. And last night, again, it's reflected. They're not a good enough team. I mean, they have good they have good pieces. They don't have a good enough, uh, you know, they don't have the puzzle completely figured out. And Carter Hutton cost them the game in the third period with a sweep check of the of the of his stick that took him sort of out of position on the comfort goal. And I just look, you know, I, I you know, not to say I told you so, but I've been saying this all year. This team is just not good enough. And Jason Botterill at the deadline decided I'm not going to sell. I'm going to just try to rejig things and see if we can have consequential games in March. Well, they're eight points behind Toronto, and they're more than 10 points behind the wildcard teams. They're done. They've been done for a month and a half. They're done, too. The media is afraid to say it, though, and that's the part that makes me laugh. I I saw guys like Vogel saying, well, now they have to win four out of six on this trip. On this road trip, and it's like, come on, guys. I mean, and this is the, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Blame. That's just. I want to mention this. Yeah, yeah. The math component, that four out of six, that's just plain wins and points. Yeah. Now you have to also worry about those four other teams, what they're doing every night. I don't blame the media for be, for doing that because I think they want you know they have well, a fans are smarter than that right but they have a vested interest they 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 want the games to be consequential because it gives them something to write about I I, I get that yeah. I'm I'm the same way but but after the All Star break when they you know when it was said numerous times they have nine of the next ten in Buffalo they've got to win probably seven of those nine to be in the race. And what do they do? I think they went four, four, and one, or four, four, three, and two, or something like something like that. Right. Basically, a five five hundred breakdown of the nine games. And I'm like, okay, they're done. And after that, it was a week until the deadline, and still Botterill doesn't dump. Now, if Botterill has been told that his job is on the line, if they don't at least make have consequential games in March or they make the playoffs, then I get it. But a general manager has to think about the well-being of his team over his own self-preservation. And I honestly think that this team has been done since since December. Yeah, and- well, we've talked about that. I mean, it's not going to always work out that way with how things are handled. But, I like, I know a fan that, that basically was happy about the Wayne Simmons pickup because then Wayne Simmons could – sort of police the room and the young players could see how a pro does it. And I'm like, for what, 20 games? Yeah. Like, what is that going to do? They're just going to ride out the string. They're all going to try hard, but that I don't think Wayne Simmons is going to have a profound effect yeah. in the last 20 games of a season. Now, did Buffalo bring him on so they could sign him next year? I mean, again, why are you signing Wayne Simmons? I don't see any reason for that team to do that. Wayne Simmons is a real good piece. If you're – close to a playoff team or are a playoff team and you just want that extra toughness because you want to protect some of your guys, fine. Then you should sign Wayne Simmons. I don't think the Sabres are going to be in that position. Yeah, Wayne Simmons made more sense. To, 
a trade for Wayne Simmons would have made more sense for a team like Toronto, who's borderline and who needs physical. They got Clifford, right? And that's you know right, right. They got Clifford, and Clifford was a lot less expensive. But I'm saying, you know, even at the deadline, because apparently, you know, they were looking, they were looking for an additional defenseman or additional forward. Um, they were sort of sending mixed signals out there, um, but. I mean, I know that it made no sense other than he's a more active player than than a guy like Connor Sheary. And I, somebody made a comment that, you know, Simmons made more hits in one game than Connor Sheary or Rodriguez had made in, in a month. And I, okay, fine. But again, you, you weren't you weren't short on jam. You were short on talent and right. didn't add talent. So I, I, I you know, I, so I mean, we'll we'll track that. But I really That's it for Sabres talk. Yes, and then not for Sabres talk. Let the instigators talk about it. Um, okay, uh, in Vegas, the Edmonton Oilers get shut out by the Golden Knights three nothing. I did watch some of this game. Okay, now here here's the funny thing. Edmonton brings in Tyler Ennis and brings in Andreas Anasinu at the deadline, and what do they do? They immediately slap them on the top line with Connor McDavid. Of course, they have a big game against a really shorthanded and not very talented Anaheim team, but they still lose. They lose. I think it was in a shootout or overtime, right? Uh, six to five. That line, I think, had seven or eight points combined. Last night, zero points. Athanasio gets hurt, uh, and McDavid, I believe. Well, obviously, McDavid was shut out because the team was shut out, but. This is how shorthanded the Oilers were. They had to they had to go out and get two guys just to put on the top line. I mean, they didn't have to do that. I think they did that to kind of get them started. But still, what I saw was the, on the power play. I, I It's just amazing to me all the talent they have on their power play and no one wants to shoot. The amount of extra passing on their power play is insane. It's almost like McDavid or Drysaddle are the only ones that are allowed to shoot on the power play. Everybody else is just a passer. And it's just – it's crazy. I saw them waste like 30, 40 seconds with just passing and no shot. And you know what? You make it incredibly easy for a penalty kill when you do that. They did that. And even and, – and look, McDavid had one great rush at the net during one of those sequences and Flurry made a nice save. But it is almost like – McDavid saw what was going on and said, all right, I got to try something myself mm -hmm. because none of this is, is working. And that is the risk Edmonton has here is just, and again, Yamamoto didn't play. And I kind of wonder now if he's a key cog for them. And right now, I mean, Vegas's defense is not great and they were able to get behind their defense a lot and they just weren't able to score. I can't put it all on flurry saying he had the game of his life. He definitely played well, but you expect, you expect Mark Andre Florida to play well this time of the year. Right. Edmonton has to do better, and you know that's that's why I, I don't. I didn't get mad at you for being skeptical. I think they have a better chance at making the playoffs now. Sure. But what are they going to do in the playoffs? I don't think they're going to go that far. No, and and right now, you know, Vegas has seventy eight points, and you know it may have been under understated, but I think that, that the Leonard acquisition is going to allow them to probably play him a lot more than Malcolm Subban in the, in the remaining, you know, 17 or 18 games, 17 games that they have left. And that will give Flurry enough rest going into the playoffs. Whereas in the past, in a tight race, he'd probably have to play every night. So that's a big advantage for Vegas. Um, 
Edmonton's at 74 points. They're tied with Vancouver. Vancouver's got a couple games in hand. But if you look below them, Calgary is two points behind, same amount of games. Nashville is four points behind, two games in hand. And Winnipeg and Arizona are and it, right behind them. With six, with, 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 but but uh, Edmonton has more. And that looked like it was Koskinen in that, right? It was, it was the it was the great and almighty Miko Koskinen. I mean, so where 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 you know his stellar performance? Yeah. So I mean, I'm not saying I'm not guaranteeing it. I and I'm just I'm saying it because I've said it all year. And Flyer fan 16, you can eat it because I don't care if it's 88.2%. I think they're missing the playoffs because they're a flawed team. They now did they, you know, did they address the fact that they're, you know, a, de- a bit deeper now because they added Ennis, who's a I think a, a good hustling type of player. Yes. If a CU plays two games and he's injured now and he had an LBI, I don't know what what the severity of it is, but he he left the game, did not come back in the third period. If they lose him, I know they're getting Cassian back. They're still not a deep enough team, and there are teams in that division right behind them that are just as good. So I have breaking news. Go ahead. Breaking news is one of the local affiliate stations couldn't spell Elaine Vigneault's name correctly when they announced on social media that he was on the air, and it has sparked, and it has sparked some 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 hate on Twitter because what happens is, and I'm sure this happens in a lot of cities, there are the talking heads. I will just leave it at that. If you know what I'm in reference referencing to, there are talking heads in town that never go to games. Maybe they go, you know, once every month. And, and they send in the highlights and they give commentary from their studio or from wherever they are. And this time of year now with 20 games left, you would think you would start to see more of them. And as an example, the Flyers win the other night. I still didn't. But yet the amount of bandwagonism now that is going on because the Sixers are starting to fail is – amazing and i don't i i am not mad at flyers fans that get mad at these stations for all of a sudden wanting to talk about flyers trying to spark conversation when they don't really want to the rest of the year it is a very annoying thing for fans and so right now Fans are getting on this station, and I don't blame them. So, sort of like Mike Francesa trying to talk about the Rangers and the Islanders in right. April when he never talks about them the entire year. Right. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's, I, look, it's good for the Flyers that they get the extra coverage. They deserve it. They played hard, and it's good for the team and all of that. But from a fan perspective, it is angering because fans do want to talk about their game. They mm-hmm. want to talk about it on radio, but they also know a lot of times if they call, it's just going to get marginalized or they're going to have a one second conversation and then it's not going to be anything meaningful. Yeah. That's why Sirius I mean, XM is great. As an example, that's why I love going on that station because it really is the best hockey station in the world. There's great ones in Toronto and there's, there's good ones in a lot of places. But the idea is when, when it comes to major sports cities and New York never used to be like this, but it is, and it has been for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. Hockey is just last. It's just, and it's really, and it, and it, and it is, it's maddening for fans. Yeah, and I'm sure that Philadelphia fans are going to be looking forward to the 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 work up to the debut of Roman Yossi in uh, in a Flyers <laughs> uniform. Oh, oh, that's right, that's right. That I forgot that was an erroneous report. Um, okay, one other game in the, in the NHL last night. Um, 
the LA Kings beat the Pittsburgh Penguins two to one. Uh, it was the debut of Patrick Marlowe. I saw a couple minutes of this game. Yeah, me too. A 35 save performance for Cal Peterson, who has played a lot since the Campbell deal. I mean, yeah. it seems to be, I, I don't know if it's, but I think that was the plan. Like they, yeah. they wanted to. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a 50, 50 split, but I think he's no. going to work. And, you know, I mean, honestly, I, I I don't know where the Kings are going with quick. I, is it going to be a $5 million backup the next three it years? Be a backup, but it could be a tandem situation. You know, like for a little while, like it was Chico Rush, the older goalie with Billy Smith. It could sure. be like that. Okay. Um, but I, I, I do have to say that I thought the Kings looked a lot better than they did earlier in the year. They have yep. some newer players, some quicker players. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think that the plan is to get, you know, the, the centerpieces up front, the centerpiece up front is going to be Kopitar. The centerpiece on the back end is going to be Dowdy because they're making big money. I think that they'll try to move guys like, you know, Dustin Brown and Jeff Carter over the next year or two with terms still left on their deals, maybe buy them out at the when it gets closer to the end. But I think that the 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 uh, the outlook here is Turcotte and Velarde and the young guys of uh, Samuel Fagamo, I think it was the name yeah. of the Swedish kid that played at the World Junior. Yeah. Those, yes, those guys are still a few years away, but guys that are closer are Rasmus Kupare yeah. and Bjorn Fott. Mm -hmm. Bjorn Fott probably makes the team next year. He almost made the team this year. Probably. And that's why I said I felt like the Kings now in the last couple of years have sped up their, their retool here, and I think they're really only two years away from being really competitive. So I think next year you will see a – fun to watch you know team that's fun to watch mm -hmm. and and that goes down to you know the goaltending too they're going to add a few guys you know maybe even Velarde makes the team too next year so maybe Kale Clegg makes the team next year so then it's a year for those guys to build and maybe a year after that they start making some noise it wouldn't shock me and you know what Kings fans deserve it and I think they've done a good job here yeah. and now on the flip side Everybody in Philly is ripping on Pittsburgh, and they're happy because they're a point out of second place. And it's like, listen, it, it, don't think for a minute if you play the Pittsburgh Penguins that that will be an easy series and a series that you want. Now, I know everybody remembers the series from a couple of years ago where every game was like 6-5. I don't think it's going to be like that. The Penguins are a completely different team. Yeah. You just – you, they may be just going through a little bit of a lull right now, but if you face them in the playoffs, that will be a tough, tough thing. And I, I could see the Flyers winning some home games. I don't know if they would win a road game. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's the thing. Just, just, uh, just this. The Kings have a one, three number twos, two number threes, and two fourths in a, in a strong draft. Yeah, they got currency, man. And the thing about it is, you know, Michael Fuda, Mark Yannetti, those guys know how to draft. Yes. You go look at their drafts. Like I, I named the centers recently. They are loaded with young centers. They know how to – this is a team or, or organization with player development that's really good. You tell me, do they develop defensemen, Mike? I mean, they'll wait five years for you to develop as a defenseman. Sure. Like is like as in Forbert and guys, and they get mileage out of them. So, and you know, even Gravel, who was on you know in the Leafs organization now, was developed by them. They right. there's almost a defenseman that doesn't develop 
it's it's almost impossible for a defenseman not to develop in their system. Right. That's the funny thing. So, you know, the Kings are going to be good again. They fans just have to be a little patient, and I think they have been, and I give them credit. Okay. Um, some news and notes. Uh, Jay Bomeister came out um, with a statement yesterday. Um, said hockey hasn't really been in the front of his mind the last couple of weeks, understandably. After totally understandable, yeah, it puts things in perspective. It's okay to take a step back right now, you know. I mean, I, I, I didn't take any heat for it, but I, I, I you know, I was quick to say I, I think his career is over with. I'm hopeful that he could get back, but you know, when you're having a pacemaker put in. And you're at, you're probably at the end of your career. I mean, everybody thought he was going to be done last year, then had a good second half, and he resigned. Plus, he's a young man. Like, that does affect you. Yeah, I mean, it's really – I mean, I, I, at this point, you've made your money. You've had a great career. You've won a cup. I know maybe the fire is still burning, but you have to consider what is best for yourself and your family. And that's right. why, I, like, I hope for his sake that he retires, that this is it. And he just enjoys the rest of his life. If you know, if, if he wants to come back, there's nothing stopping him. And I won't criticize it because I under, I understand you, you know. But but I think it would be better if he retires. But he's a good guy. He's a great pro. I I've always found him to be a, a really nice guy. He's not a great quote. That's no. that's just that's. I, I will give you an example. Um, so my either my first year or my second year, uh, covering he. He got an assist at the Garden. It was his first NHL assist, I believe, and he wasn't even excited. <laughs> I couldn't even get a great quote out of him. Um, but it's fun to be able to follow a guy through his whole career like that and see him blossom. I will also say that it was not his fault that at the draft, and I think that was the Toronto draft that he was drafted, uh, people overhyped. And, and, again, this is where I had my pet peeve, and I don't like to compare players. The reason is, is because I kept hearing, well, he's like Bobby Orr. He could be, you know, it's like, yeah, there are things about him that are great offensively. But, of course, he wasn't going to be Bobby Orr. Nobody is. And he never realized that. I mean, he. No, the offensive potential never fully yeah. got realized. I agree. But but he was steady. Steady production, just not massive production. Right. Um, Darren Drager reports that um, – Josh Anderson, whose status was in question for a while and his name was being floated close to the deadline, um, but nothing ever happened. It sounds like he is going to have season-ending season ending shoulder surgery. Um, and he's a player that's one year away from being a UFA, and I'm sure a number of teams, you know, teams like Boston, where he would fit in perfectly. You know, he's a bull in a china shop type of player. Um, that, you know, they probably, if he was healthy, would have been in on him at the deadline. Um, and the thing is, though, Russ, it's like, you know, if he gets surgery over the, over the offseason, he's really going to have to come back to Columbus in that final year and sort of prove himself, prove that he's healthy, prove that he can play that, that game. And more than likely, unless Columbus is getting him on a, an extension, he's probably going to get moved at the deadline next year. Well, I mean, it depends where what situation they're in. Team-wise, they're still going to be a competitive team. Yeah. They're competitive now, so they might need him next year. I could see him getting an extension. If they feel like he's fully healthy, I could see him staying. Now, we did hear his name in trade talk, so if for some reason 
he doesn't want to, and that's what we don't know about this equation, then you're right. Then at some point, then he might even just get moved at the draft. I mean, he might be a name that, that gets moved at the draft to for them to further get more draft currency. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's something we'll you know we'll monitor, but it's good to see that that it's close. Now when did they say the comeback when he's coming? Well, I'm sorry. When did they say he's exactly coming back, or they don't know? They don't know. They, they, if he has, he's done for the season, and they think he's gonna have surgery. So, oh, this the surgery. I, I missed that. Yeah, part. no, he's gonna. That. He's probably gonna have surgery okay. to repair the shoulder because it just it hasn't responded to whatever they've been, you know, whatever kind of phys, physical therapy they've tried to do with it. So, I I'll think who may be coming back for them is Ryan Murray. He's been yeah. skating with them for a little bit now, and he had some sort of LBI, and apparently it's getting better. If they get Ryan Murray back for a stretch run here, that's massive. Yeah, but it's it is it is curious that it almost like Yarm. I mean, Yarmo realized what I was saying. What I was saying on the on the uh, on the, the the deadline show was that they have so many holes to fill that it almost made no sense to go out and add one or two players for assets because. You've got so many. You got so many holes. It's like it's not right. much of a difference. If you can get some of those players back before the end of the year and stay close in the race, you might have a chance to sneak into one of the wild card spots. But you know, I mean, losing Jones and losing Atkinson and losing Bjorkstrand and all the other players, it's just it, it's just way too much. Um, okay, but they're still in it, Mike. That's the they're, they're still in it. I, I can't. I can't. You know, they're. You know, right now. I mean, this is here. Here is the right now the race as it and um, okay so right now we have Washington at eighty four Pittsburgh at eighty and Philadelphia at seventy nine in the Metro um, the Islanders are at seventy seven uh, so two points behind the Flyers Columbus is at seventy six in the second wild card spot but they played sixty five games so they played th- three more than the Islanders two more than the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Carolina has played three less than Columbus and they're two points behind. Which is still significant if they get their goaltending in order, but yes, right. And the Rangers are at 62 and they are four points behind Columbus. So Columbus is in dire straits. Let's just I mean, yeah, you know, we, are they still in a playoff spot? Yes. Are they in dire straits? Yes. We should highlight that Ranger Flyer series now because you know, not since they've met in the playoffs in this new era, which is just recently, right? That there, this is a massive series, a back-to-back series. The key for me watching the Ranger side of it is who they're going to put in goal. And I think I've told you I would wait and put Lundqvist on the Sunday afternoon brunch game. We'll see if they do that. The key for the Flyers here is you've got to take them at home. You can't lose this game at home because road's been you know, up and down for them. So they've got to win this home game. But mm-hmm. don't bleed a point. That's the other thing that, you know, again, you you don't want to start bleeding these points and letting this game. Now, the Rangers the other day, what we didn't mention in that game was the Islanders, when they tied it, was like 18 seconds, 20-something seconds. So they bled a point to the Islanders. That hurt their chances. Right. Same thing goes for the Flyers. You bleed a point, and it makes all of this so much harder. So they need to win a definitive game. I mean, Carter Hart's only got two losses at home. I think he's 14-2, and two, mm-hmm. something like that, at home. So that bodes well for them, but the Rangers are hot. And the one thing the Rangers are going to do that will probably upset the apple cart a little bit in Philly is Brendan Lemieux is going to be everywhere and on everybody's ass because that's what he did last game. 
and he will, you know, he will fire things up and he can score. Yeah. He is like a mini Tom Wilson in that way. And so that that'll be the fun part to watch. And he will be the bug up everybody's ass. He really um, will. Now, just to, just to touch on this, because we've talked off and on about the KHL and about what's going to happen with, with KHL players. Um, we know that the KHL is going to contract. Uh, we know that there is going to be a salary cap next year. And, you know, I, I've, I've read a few things over the last couple months about players that might come over. Now, the funny thing is that a lot of the players who may come over have been here already, and it's a question of how much of an impact will they have. The Apparently, the, 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 the one player that they say is almost definitely coming back and they think is the, the one that has the mo- might have the most impact, impact is the Sabres' former first-round pick, Mikhail Gregorinko, who's playing with uh, Stiska. Um you know, I saw him here in Buffalo. He was not a formed player at that point. Um, he went to Colorado. You know, he became sort of that two-way physical forward. His offensive game has expanded in the KHL, but I don't know whether how much that's going to translate. But I don't see Gregorinko being anything more than, say, a third-line center. No, but if he comes in and he's a third-line center and he matches up with somebody he feels comfortable with, sure. he can score 20 goals. Yeah, I mean, he's I mean, got third, those kinds of skills. It's just it hadn't clicked before in the NHL. Right, third line centers are valuable. So you know, he and he's he's not going to be somebody who gets signed as a like a nine hundred and twenty five thousand dollar entry level deal. He's gonna there'll probably be a little bit of a bidding war on him. He could get a couple a couple million bucks at least. Uh, other names that are being mentioned: is Dmitry Yaskin, former St. Louis Blue. Um, he was, but it, he was. I think he went to Washington. Uh, he got play, uh, placed on waivers, went to Washington, didn't play that much. Um, you know, again, I think he's probably third, fourth line type guy. But, again, th- these guys are valuable in the mix where you organizations need depth. You know, these these players can be, can be valuable. I, I kind of wonder, you know, you and Anthony – well, mostly Anthony was having some fun with me yeah. when I saw the commercial for Nigel Dawes for the Gangeren Cup. He's 35. Yeah. He played for Torts. Yeah. That's a good low-risk signing for Columbus to bring him in next year mm-hmm. and let him – because he played well under the Torts system. See if he still has it because, you know what, Nigel Dawes can be – he used to have really good speed. Right. And if you remember a long time ago, he was like – part of the elite players in team Canada, it just never fully clicked. I mean, he had like, you know, double digit goal seasons, 10 goals, 14 goals. He just never became what everybody thought he might become me included, but he's had a nice career. That's a guy you bring him into Columbus, low risk. You maybe can get something out of him. I mean, if someone like Dubinsky is going to be on his way out, maybe, you know, Nigel Dawes can fill that role. Yeah. The other name that I heard was, uh, was Nikita Nesterov and yeah, that's where that's where I'm like okay, you know you that's where I'm a little like Nesterov because yeah, he was a seventh defenseman with Tampa. Right. That's all he's going to be is a, a plug. Yeah, he's a he's a Russian Mark Barbario. I I just don't think he's he's much of an impact. You know, okay, if you want depth in your organization, you want somebody who can play down in the AHL and call and get called up and be and have some sort of impact. Maybe that maybe that that the, works. The three really. guys to watch are Sorokin for the Islanders. Tremankin for Vancouver and Kaprizov for Minnesota. Right. It would be so much of a better league if all those guys came over. Those guys would be fun in the NHL, man. And about Vancouver getting Tremankin, how good their blue line could be then. Yeah, and 
you know that there's going to be and he's more, six seven, I think, right? Yeah, six seven. Yeah, yeah. You know that there's going to be more Russians like a Mikheyev who were undrafted. Who, yeah, you know, teams will teams will sort of dig out, and I know that Toronto is going to be one of those teams who is going to dip heavily into the KHL because they're going to, you know, they've traded some draft picks, so they need organizational depth, and it costs them nothing other than an entry level deal. So, and, right. and I think, you know, I I don't think it's understated that the treatment and I don't think they did this because of, you know, ex ulterior motives, but the treatment that Kyle Dubas gave Mikheyev when he got hurt in December and stayed with him for, for a couple days and Daniel Milstein coming out and thanking the leaf organization for being attentive that yeah. will go miles, miles next, next summer when they try to, you know, attract Russian free agents because that got hurt. It got yeah. hurt a lot of people. And I think, honestly, for fans around the league, rooting for Russia is sort of akin to rooting for the Leafs if you have to. So I think it it's equally equally palatable. Uh, so yeah. I, I get it. Yes. Yeah. They, they, they're the blue menace for us, not the red menace. Um, okay. Uh, some games for some games for tonight. The biggest one, and not because this is a team that I cover, but it's got big implications. Uh, the Leafs playing the Florida Panthers in Florida. Florida. That is a biggie. Yeah. Florida coming back from the West Coast uh, road trip. They they won in Arizona on Tuesday, but it was an up and down trip for them. Uh, Toronto coming off a victory against Tampa, but everything gets thrown off the window because of the Muzzin injury. Now you've probably got the least experienced Leaf blue line that they've had in years. Riley, CeCe, and Muzzin all out. Your top pairing is probably going to be Travis Dermott and Justin Hall. Um Callie Rosen might get into the lineup instead of Martin Marinson. I would hope that that would be the case because Marinson is horrible. Um, but the interesting thing here, and I, I've gotten conflicting information on this, and I don't, I don't have a definitive answer yet. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to find out. In Major League Baseball, after the Major League Baseball trade deadline, trades are allowed, but players that are traded, say after, and now the the deadline is was August 31st. After that waiver trade deadline, trades were still allowed, but the player could not play in the playoffs. Right. In the NHL, um the trades are trades are done uh, for playoff implication on this year February 24th. AHL trades are still allowed. Um trade now the question is whether NHL trades are allowed. I don't believe that they are, but if you trade make a trade in the AHL, can that player be called up? Is it sort of a? I mean, I, I, I from what I had researched, I don't believe so. Yeah, from what I had researched, it said if you trade a player NHL or AHL, that player cannot play the rest of the regular season and the playoffs. No, but you know, you know what the great loophole is. The great loophole is if you have a great college player and you sign him, you can still put him on the, you can still play him and put him on the playoff roster too. Right. Right. Exactly, but and, and, and there's a couple teams. I mean, Carolina with goaltending, the Leafs with defense, a few others. Elliot Friedman talked about this. He said AHL trades are allowed, and the thing is, if that is if that's the case, and you can call up a player on emergency recall, then it's sort of an end around on that. And if then an emergency recall is different than just calling them up, calling them up. Right. So I, I, I'm not 100% sure. I'll see if I can find out um, what, what definitively is the case. But right now, let's just say the Leafs are in trouble on the blue line. They're not going to get Riley back until mid to late March. Uh, same thing for CC. 
They said four weeks for Muzzin, so they're going to have to survive with this defense. Very inexperienced with Sandin and Liljegren um, for the next three to four weeks, and that could be the determining factor. This is a winnable game for Toronto, and yeah. knowing that they could have struggles ahead of them, they need to win this game. Like This would be a good one. If they could win this one, it really does help their playoff chances a lot. Well, they'd be – They'd be four points up on Florida. Florida right. with the game in hand. If they lose, Florida is tied with a game in hand. It's really a bit and, and, one of the most important games of the year for sure. Yeah, and, and this this is the thing. I, I saw. And I'll be on a plane. So yeah, there you go. I saw. Yeah, you'll you'll be flying right into Sunrise or, or close to near it. it. I'll yeah. fly over it. Yeah. Um, some of the Toronto radio stations were asking, "Well, if the Leafs miss the if the Leafs just make the playoffs, is this season?" deemed a success and i'm like are you high no this season is only a success if they win a round right now this season has been i mean is our injuries a factor of course they are they're always a factor but you can't use it as an excuse you have to no you have to overcome it at the end of the day we, we could always make excuses for injuries for teams but that's why these sports are team sports, and we've seen teams overcome it, and that's what you have to do. And a lot of times that comes down to the coach being able to get everybody to buy in. And there are some teams that literally, like we've seen the Patriots in the past, right. next man up, and it does work sometimes. Hockey is a little harder, I think, because you know I, it's, a, it's not as big of roster as football, and I think – it's a little more skilled in certain positions where if you lose the wrong position, you know, you lose a goalie, you could have next man up mentality, but that's a tough one to sort of replace. Same as a quarterback. Tell, think, tell Montreal that with Dustin Tokarski. Yeah. I mean, and that's really, I mean, honestly, they could have won that series easy. I mean, there's, they were probably poised to win that series, but that turned it. Yeah. yeah I, I agree with that. People always look to that. And, uh, that's okay. Um, end of the day, though, it is still a team sport. So it is amazing. And, again, we use the Jackets as a good example. Like, they, nobody's been more hurt by injuries this year than the Columbus Blue Jackets. And they're still in it. And they're still in it. Uh, two games with ramifications in the Metro. Rangers play uh, Montreal. They've won eight of their last ten. And as we said before, they have three games in hand on Columbus. They're four points behind Columbus. So uh, it's going to be important for the Rangers to get if the they win this one. Yeah. And if they drop one of the Philly games, it won't be as bad. It's still right. a conference. It's still a Metro game where you don't want to, mm -hmm. but at least points wise, it would keep them competitive. Georgia, you know, and look, Georgia playing him in Montreal over Lundqvist makes a lot of sense. Because even though Lundqvist recently had had won some games there, Montreal is never kind to Henrik Lundqvist in his career. So it's, it's weird. Lundqvist does not have good records against Montreal and against Toronto. It's like I know. when they play Toronto, they used to play Cam Talbot, and then now they yep. play Georgiev, and Georgiev has stoned them a couple times. So um, I think it's, it's the bagels. I think you know Henrik would wake up in the morning, order a bagel, and. It just not get the quality of the bagel that he was used to, and it would affect his game. Well, Tim Horton's bagels are terrible in Toronto, I have to say. They, you know, I mean, they're, yeah. not, they're not even bagels. Yeah, they, they, yeah it's just like – They know. don't qualify. Anyway, uh, the other game is the Islanders going to St. Louis to play the Blues after losing that game to the Rangers. Uh, they have four teams within five points of each other. I know that they added Pajot. 
Um, I'm still not a, I'm still not sold on the Islanders. I think that they're and Peugeot they, had a fight. And Peugeot, Peugeot he tried. Peugeot jumped Jacob Trubo, which I'm sure if he had a chance to do it over again, he was like, What the hell am I doing? But um, I mean, you know, the Islanders are in an okay position, but I still think that there's a chance they if they drop a couple games, they're really in trouble. Right. But I I, I have a belief now that they are riding better than they were before the deadline. So I think a guy like Pajot does help and will contribute. And I think that will get them over the hump. I do. And so, and Andy Green. Andy Green was a massive pickup for them. Don't ever forget that because the Pellick loss was really big for them because they didn't have a tremendous amount of depth on the blue line. Right. So those things, I think, coupled with Trotz, even though he's blind to the draft pick part of thing, life, um, Trotz is great, and he will get them through it. And I have no qualms about saying the Islanders will make the playoffs. It's just a matter where. But I think they're going to end up owning that third spot in the Metro. I thought that all year, and I still think that. Um, just a now. This game is a tough game, though. I yeah. I mean, I, the the Blues are only up on Colorado by three points. So now they get Jake Allen, they can win this game. If they get Bennington, then they should be happy with a point. Uh, Bennington the other night. Was again making some crazy saves. I mean, I hope people don't think he was a fluke anymore. I well, I don't. I didn't think it was a fluke last year, but no, I know, but some did. the The other game is a matchup of the two Western Conference wildcard teams, um, the Preds and the Flames. Um, I, I really, like I'm uh, the the Preds have made a a rush of late. Have uh, you know gotten into the playoff yeah, right after, You know, and they they need to stay hot. I mean, they right now there's a three way tie for the wild card at seventy points with Winnipeg and Arizona. Um, that's why, like, I, I still have a I still have a belief that that Edmonton could miss because there's so many teams right by right on their heels. Yeah, just uh, if, if two of them get hot and they're not, it definitely could happen. Right, Nashville six three and one in their last ten. Um, the bad thing for them is they scored one hundred ninety eight goals and they've allowed one hundred ninety eight goals, which is for yeah. them is 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 obscene. It's unlike them. Yeah, very very much so. Which I think reflects the the fact that Pekka Rene is not doesn't have the uh, MPH on his fastball like he did. Um, interesting comment here in the chat. We'll take a couple questions uh, from everybody before we end the show. Um, I now I know Brian Burke makes um, um, appearances on Toronto radio and on uh, Fan Five Ninety in the mornings. Um, that's where uh, Mister Chestnut here in the chat was referring to. He said if a team. If a team wanted a third-round pick for a defenseman before the deadline, they would likely want a second and third after the deadline, as they can tell a team is desperate. Well, that's true. Yeah, it, it, that might be the case, but it also is it could be the case with teams like, say, Anaheim or Ottawa or New Jersey, who are are budgetary focused. That if they could unload somebody for a draft pick after the after the deadline. That they probably would do it for that for that reason. The the, the one thing though, and, and I'm sure this was a conversation regarding Toronto. The one thing that is not been talked about is the fact that they were involved in that Robin Leonard deal in terms of taking on cap space for a fifth round pick. I believe it was like 1.1 million. That might have exhausted most of the cap space they had available. And if that's the case, then you know they don't really have the room to take on a, a defenseman if they are even allowed to do it. Yeah, I, I think this just works off a simple supply and demand. 
The best example I can give is if Van Hagar goes out on tour, you'll easily be able to get tickets as compared to when David Lee Roth came back and they had the original lineup. I think, and I like Sammy Hagar and Van, and Van Halen, don't get me wrong, but the hardcore Van Halen fans aren't going to necessarily flock to see that one more time. So, I mean, is that, that, is that really going to happen? Is that, cause yeah, apparently Sammy wants it to happen. There's a whole because Eddie, Eddie's supposedly on death's door. That's what I heard. I mean, well, he's not doing well. That's right. that's for sure. There is a whole slate of music that I still own that I still like from Van Hagar. Yeah, and it just was a little more poppy. Yeah. And let's face it, Sammy had a better voice sure. than David Lee Roth. Like that's pretty much undeniable. And it did give a different aspect. I mean, right now is a great song. If you want to say it's too commercial, or whatever. But it's a really great song. And there's a couple of three or four really great hits that they had. And yeah, Sammy is a great rocker. It would be entertaining. I, feels, I, I would feels tell you. good is a great song. I, I, I really yeah. um Bardicus, I have to talk about it. Bardicus in the chat in the chat. Um there is a bagel tweet that went viral from McDonald's in Toronto right now. Uh, How many times has McDonald's tried to make bagels? That's the point. With a hockey puck-sized amount of cream. That is disgusting. I mean, I like cream cheese on a bagel as much as anybody. I'm going to be willing to try in, in Montreal in June to try the Montreal bagel just to, just to rule out whether it's anywhere close to the New York bagel, which I don't think it is, but I'll give it I'll, I'll have, I'll have It's good, though. It really is. I'll, I'll have an open mind. But, okay, I, you know – Having that much cream, I'd have, I'd get stomach pains if I ate that much cream cheese. Well, I mean, look, when you get like a cream cheese and bagel in New York, you do get this thick amount that you really could share with two people for cream cheese. That's why sometimes I'll just get it like for a lunch. So if you wait, if, um, because if it's you, like a lunch amount, right? If you, spread, if you spread the cream cheese evenly over the bagel, is it like about a half an inch? Yeah, it's okay, that's, really right. This uh, is that's thick. Like if I do it at home, I'm doing it less than that. And I'm clearing the hole, but they don't have time for that in a New York deli, right? So they're not clearing the hole. They're just, they just take an ice cream scoop and put it on the on the. Yeah, plate. I mean that's what they do. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, Michael says, "What do you think NHL managers want to discuss about emergency backup goalies?" Well, okay, I, I think it's this: the situation with David Ayers, although it turned out great for everybody who likes to make fun of the Maple Leafs. Um, could have the been, only reason we're talking about this is because it happened to the Maple Leafs, right? No, no, I don't, I don't think no, so. Oh, don't say no, Mike, because okay. half the world, but, it, but, it, but it, it could have been a major. Oh, just okay, just, just imagine this. And the, now, this is not an original thought, this is what people have been talking about the last couple of days. Just imagine this David Ayers, an employee of MLS and E, comes into the game against Carolina, he lets in the first two shots. I don't think he let him in on purpose. He's just a, he only's a 42 year old Zamboni driver. So he lets the first two in. They come out in the third period and the Leafs get six more goals on this guy. Everybody is Elliot Friedman was talking uh, about general managers. He was in contact with when Ayers came in and the first two goals went in saying, this is ridiculous. This is an abomination. And then of course they were laughing their asses off when the, when the Leafs ended up losing the game. But the whole point was it was a Leaf employee that you don't look at it that way it well, doesn't this, matter. this is what i think is going to happen and they, they were uh, i can't remember who it was that talked about it it may have been dave poolin or uh, another another one of the tsn people maybe but it was bob mckenzie who said that the plan may be to essentially have like 
the NFL has a third quarterback that is inactive, that teams would have a third goaltender that they would pay, say, $100,000 to, that would travel with the team, that would practice with the team, but it would never go in unless both the number one and the number two starter and you know w- would get hurt and that would that's it, just stupid well i mean it's it would this cost- has worked for over 80 years mike hey i'm just one situation i don't care i really don't i know but i'm telling you because it happened to the leafs that's why they're having a discussion yeah, but they, but I think they're looking they're looking at what the worst case scenario would have been instead of the best case scenario, which is an employee of the Leafs sticking it to them by by actually playing well. So uh, you know we'll see. Um, Did he get a raise from MLSE? I wonder. I'm surprised he didn't get fired. Uh, let's see here, Russ Justin Barron returned last night for the first time in months. How far down the first round has his stock dropped? I don't know if it's dropped that much. If you come back now and do pretty well, I like Baron. I got to see where I have Baron ranked. I I'm not as reactionary. I will have a new list soon, but let's see. While you're looking that up, I just have to put up Thomas Smith here. If I ate that much cream cheese in one bagel, I'd throw up in the nearest trash can. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a thing. It's like I mean, I like cream cheese on a bagel. I like different flavored cream cheeses. You know, like uh, scallion or garlic and herb or whatever. If I ate that much, I would just I, I'm not lactose intolerant, but I think I would I would I would spew like well, that's why you get it with with locks on it so it cuts the extra cream cheese that you're inevitably gonna get. And then you just down it like a man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I have Baron 24th, right? So and he's a defenseman, and this, you know, he's one of the better defensemen in this draft. I don't think it's going to affect me. I don't think it will affect much him much at all either. I'll be honest. Okay. Um, let's see if there are any more questions. If not, we'll end the show. Uh, oh, okay. Esmir says David Lee Roth and Hagar, not that, not the, not the slacks. One too many G. Uh, have completely different vocal styles. They're both good but different. Oh, I, I agree that's with true. that. That's what we we're saying. But from a ticket standpoint, supply and demand, I don't think they would sell out to the degree if they had David Lee Roth, yeah. but David's do, busy doing show tunes in Vegas, so he's not going to be there. The funny thing is is that the Van ha- the the, pre- the Roth Van Halen, half of their songs were covers, like Pretty Woman. Originally. Right. Early, early on, yes. Early on, Pretty Woman, a couple a couple other. You know, then they had, like, Everybody Wants Some, and uh, and then in 1984 was all original stuff. So, you know, they I saw them. I finally saw them when David Lee Roth first came back uh, after Sharon. Oh, I mean, when, when Wolfie was the uh, – Yes, the- when Wolfie was there back at – I was at MSG. It was a great show. I really enjoyed it. I think I counted 25 wows. In that show, shock, <laughs> but it was fun and it was it's entertaining. All you do is wow, yeah, <laughs> and it was entertaining. And I don't know why people are really giving David Lee Roth the hate that they are saying that he's finished. I've listened to some of his act that he's doing in Vegas, I don't think it's that bad. I think he is an entertainer, he always has been. And yes, is his voice a little bit off of what it used to be? Sure, is his hair game different? Sure. But at the end of the day, I still think he's entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think he was entertaining on the radio, but no, uh, I mean that's a whole different thing. He yeah. was out of his element for that. But he's a very good paramedic, so give him credit for that. 
He's a paramedic? Yes, he's a trained paramedic. Yeah. Um, I also Ooh, yeah, he's yeah. a trained paramedic. Who'd you ever save, Mike? <laughs> Hockey fans from having to listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just got a text from someone who another another reporter uh, who I asked the question to, and he told me that his understanding is that trades remain allowed, that it's just ineligible for the playoffs, like Major League Baseball. Okay. So, so that. that we don't see it very often. We don't see it very often, but I, I do think that in this situation, you know, where a def where a defenseman or the you have two defensemen who between the two of them have like 40 games of NHL experience. Luckily the Leafs added Rosen and Rosen has a bit of NHL experience. Um, but Honestly, if you added a Michael Delzato or somebody like that right now, it would be such an upgrade over Martin Marinson, who's their seventh defenseman right now. I mean, it, it, I think it's possible that they do this. If memory serves me, I think the Yankees picked up Dave Kingman that way, and he wasn't available for the playoffs. Yes, and uh, uh, Dave Henderson was traded to San Francisco. Right. Uh, when San Francisco was battling with the Dodgers for the NL West. Uh, and it was he was traded in like the middle of September, and he and you know so he played like three weeks for them. So it it has happened in the past in Major League Baseball, and it could happen in this instance. I mean, because teams want to get in the playoffs, and you know if the Leafs, you know they, they didn't think they you know they they were prepared if somebody had met the price to trade Tyson Berry. I'm sure they're thankful now that they didn't, but. I think if they had traded Tyson Berry, they would be admitting that their season would have been over with yeah. anyway, so it really wouldn't have had much of an effect. Let me just see if there's any more questions. Um, Jared Bednar's suit jacket last night made him look like he was from Duck. All right, hold on. i got to look now. Yeah, he wore a camouflage uh, jacket. Um, it wasn't exactly uh, something I think he got from Hugo Boss. Um, yeah, oh, no, I see it. Um, I think that's better quality than what they wear on Duck Dynasty. I'll just say that. I've never watched Duck Dynasty. I watched and, it for a little while until I realized they were racist, and then I stopped watching. Yeah, I know. And and I have to say this, and this this will be the last thing. Um, I was flipping through the channels last night in between periods of the uh, Sabers game, and flipped on to Tucker Carlson, who I don't normally watch, and he had our good friend Dave Portnoy from from Barstool. Oh, reviewing the democratic debate in South Carolina. I've never seen somebody more out of his element. And it's like, I, I don't understand unless the, the whole point was to bring him on to make him look like a joke, which he did. I, how this guy. Loudmouth television, Mike. Yeah. Oh my God. And it's more, it's Morton Downey Jr. From in 20. Yeah. That's what it is. The only thing I'll say is Morton Downey at least was a smart guy. Yeah. Because I, honestly, Morton Downey Jr. was not actually a, a conservative Republican, and he played himself off of that. He was right. he was he was a liberal who was making he was doing a Colbert before yeah, he did a Colbert before Colbert. Yeah, the problem is Colbert is not funny. Okay, all right, um, Russ, enjoy your trip down to Florida. We'll, Thank you. We'll, we'll we may be back tomorrow. It all depends on X availability. Yeah, he did. Come back, don't come back, whatever. Earth doesn't care. Uh, we we will be back for sure on Monday with another edition I'll of be there. Hockey Buzzcast. For Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's